From the podcasting studio in the Reynolds School of Journalism, this is Residual Culture. A media mixtape. I'm Ben Birkenbein. And I'm Joey Lovato. And Joey, are you hungry? Yes, I am I am actually hungry. <laughs> well, that's good, because today we're talking about food shows. Oh, good. I haven't eaten in a couple hours. <laughs> food shows. Well, that should only exacerbate your hunger then as, of the, as the episode goes on, I guess. I did eat a, uh, a coconut Lara bar before we started. Well, let's do... That doesn't... You, I mean, okay. Is, we, that, is that good? I don't know if that's a good thing. It's fine. It's fine. Right. You can hear Ben try a little bit of it in our uh, in our bonus content. bonus content. That's yeah. right. Yes. Uh, Joey, just starting off right off the bat, what's your favorite food? Do you have a favorite food? Oh boy, put me on the spot. Um, I really like beef stroganoff. I nice. love beef stroganoff. Nice, a hearty dish. Yeah. Uh, you know, some noodles. Some, also, like, uh, like, like, yeah, like beef and barley soup is really good too. That's pretty good. I have I have childhood memories of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about well, you? Uh, well, it depends. But uh, I mean, I, I'm actually I'm a little bit biased now. But one of the favorite things I I enjoy is um, my wife makes a Brazilian dish. Okay. Uh, called muqueca de peixe. <laughs> muqueca de peixe. That's great. And it's it's really good actually. It's made with um, like uh, this very particular. Um, Oil, azeite de dende, and I don't know. I for, oh, it's like palm oil, kind of, but it's like kind of a spicy palm oil or something. Okay. And coconut milk, and peppers, and onions, and fish, and all served over rice. Oh, it's good. That sounds good. So it sounds good. kind of like. I also really like paella. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've also been eating a lot of ramen recently. <laughs> that was a big part of my uh, college days. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, ramen's pretty good. Well, this, do, this, right. so let me ask you another question, follow-up question. Are you hungrier now than when you started the episode? Already hungry. <laughs> All right. Well, let's continue that train by talking about some food shows because it seems to me like every time I sign into Netflix or I talk to somebody, a friend, they're like, oh, are you seeing this new show? And they're all, they all deal with food. Well, I think food media is like such a big part of our culture because, you know, like we're always eating, like especially American culture. But I think everywhere, like food media is big because- it really defines us as a culture, right? You know, and it got me thinking because certainly like I was thinking about food shows from when I was young and like where they've gone now. And I would say that that like now it's gone a lot more into the kind of like food tourism kind of like sure, food yeah. and culture kind of stuff. And of course, we have to say, uh, you know, part of the ep- part of the reason for this episode and part of the reason it's it's kind of, um, you know, on the brain is because uh, not that long ago, Anthony Bourdain passed away. Yeah. And lots of people were really sad. And actually, I had not seen, I had seen like maybe one or two episodes, but I had not gone down like to sit down and watch Parts Unknown. Um, but I've been doing more of that now. And it's a, it's an interesting show. Yeah, it's it's good. It is it is interesting. I have some things I want to say about it. But I think, yeah, yeah we can... We can talk talk about that, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the beginning of food media and sure. kind of where it's how it's evolved. I mean, if you look, we start with uh, uh, Julia Child, right? Like she was like the first kind of celebrity food, like in your home, like teaching you how to cook, right? I think cooking shows, yeah, right? It's a and, show. and it was, I think, they were specifically designed for people to learn how to cook particular cuisines, yeah, right? And, she was the master of French French cooking, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and Julia Child, I think, revolutionized media. I believe, I think, she really changed the game because I think it was accessible to uh, like back in the time, like women were like a lot more at home and they were cooking all the time, and this is a thing that was not maybe directed at uh, like the husbands or the children, but uh, you know something that mm-hmm. can 
everyone can do and everyone needs to learn how to do is cook at home. Right. And the whole thing, the, the whole idea is that like French cooking seems like this really gourmet fancy. thing. It's fancy. But here I'm Julia Child, just brimming with charisma, by yeah. the way. And she's just going to teach you how to cook and show you and demonstrate to you how, how and how you can do it too. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. cooking shows have changed so much since then. I mean, you can't just, I guess we should say food shows because they've changed from We've got cooking and now we've got like, you know, we've got our Rachel Ray's and our, our uh, yeah. Ina yeah. Gartens and stuff like that. Um, but And then we've got shows, like you said, with Anthony Bourdain, where it's like a travel show, yep. we, but kind of revolving around food. You also have competition shows. You've got like Chopped, Iron Chef America, the original Iron Chef. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Uh, I mean. Kitchen Impossible, I think, is a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the, now they've got like the juniors that are coming out oh, too, yeah. right? There's like a Junior Hell Kitchen or Hell's Kitchen Junior or something. Sure. And yeah. then uh, it's Hex Kitchen when it's kids. <laughs> nice. Yes, that's right. Yes. And then they also have the shows which just like showing off restaurants like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives where he's like, look at this burger. It's huge. Yeah. And people no- are like, whoa. <laughs> it's interesting because it's almost like novelty through like food tourism. Sure. Whereas some of those other ones are like food and like exploring another culture through food. Yeah. Right. Like what are the, what are the tastes for this particular palate in this part of the region? How did it come to be that way? Why there? It's because, you know, these ingredients come from that region, which is also really interesting. It's kind of, they, I like the shows that get into like environment, the broader ecology of food and like how, for example, certain foods were introduced to other places. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting. It's like a way to, it's almost like a human history in some way. It's like uh, anthropology or yeah, something, food exactly. anthropology. So yeah. we, we, there's so many different types of food television, food media yeah. that I think it's a really interesting topic to talk about because there's so many interesting things. And I, one of the ones that you were bringing up that I didn't really know that much about is like the original Iron Chef. Yes. So because uh, I was thinking about like what were the food related shows that I watched when I was young and I believe it aired on E, which now is known as more of just kind of like a celebrity. Keeping up with our Ga- Kar- Kardashians. Yeah, like keeping up with the Kardashians and like a lot of celebrity kind of stuff. But E, as a channel, when it came out uh, as a cable channel, had a lot of really interesting programming. I mean, there was like Talk Soup, which was certainly uh, celebrity related, but but very different, I think, than what it is now. Like uh, there was this old um, host, John Henson, uh, who uh, John the Skunk. <laughs> Yeah, so real interesting guy. And then, um, but I believe it was also on E! that they would air Iron Chef, which was... uh, Like from Japan. Yeah, it was the Japanese Iron Chef. And they had all of the different Iron Chefs who would face a challenger that week. And they wouldn't know what the ingredient is. So there's Mm -hmm. this moment at the beginning um, uh, when they unveil the the secret ingredient for the day. And then they have X amount of time, like an hour or something to cook this dish for a panel of judges. And I think there was just something about how uh, animated the guests were and, and how it was produced that made it seem like this really epic battle. Sure. Because I believe that the challenger could challenge, they could choose which Iron Chef. So there was like Iron Chef... China, Iron Chef Japan, Iron Chef French, Iron ah. Chef. And so they had to choose which one they're going to challenge. And it's like they had all the Iron Chefs there standing with like the, their the kind arms of crossed. arms crossed across their chest. They sort of ascend from their very on the on the platforms yeah. or whatever. They're like, who do you wish to challenge? You and know, it's like, like there's like you. smoke. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And the same thing happens when they unveiled the the secret ingredient. There's something so grandiose about that thing. And then the the kind of fierce competition leading up to... And I'm getting excited as I'm talking about this show because I haven't seen it for so long, but it was all dubbed over. And 
a little poorly, right? I mean, uh, yeah, well, this is like the 80s and 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. Well, it would have been the 90s. I don't know when the original shows aired, but certainly I was watching it in the 90s. mid mid 90s, somewhere okay. in there. I remember like when I was very young, it was on. So yeah, you know, it was like like late 90s for me. There were all these little uh, tropes that they always had in there. So they had um, the announcers that were announcing, oh, I wonder what's going on there and what's he doing with that thing? But then they had like a reporter on the ground who I believe they referred to as Fukusan. So it's like... Uh, <laughs> And it's like, he would just chime in. He would interrupt the whole thing. He's like, yes, Fukusan, go. Uh, and then he would report what was in the dish. I've checked out with uh, Iron Chef so-and-so. And in this dish, he says he has uh, scallops, p- pickled onions, scallions. It's, uh, scallions was the secret ingredient, right? Like scallions was in everything. Yeah. Um, and then he had all these other stuff. And and then, yeah, I'm sorry. I got excited. Where no, was good? I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that all led up to the judging. And the judging was also really nicely passive aggressive. So you got these like really ref- seemingly refined people up there and they'd be like, um, yes, um, ooh, I don't quite understand what's happening right now. Um, I feel like this dish is more appropriate for um, a poor person. Yes. And then like they move on. Oh, God. <laughs> it would be something like really, I, I don't know. I mean, some of it was really good. Yeah. But then there, every now and then you just get these really weird, and it probably was lost in translation, but just sure. the way that it was dubbed was was funny and made it really entertaining to watch. So um, was this last year? Yeah, a couple, probably like nine months ago or something. Um, we have like a Reno Food Week here. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and we have like kind of an Iron Chef style competition, actually. Um, and I was... I was the media there covering it. Actually, I was one of the main media guys okay. covering it, um, and it was really fun. I think I was like one of the only guys, and so I was a reporter, and I was literally running around like asking people what they were doing. Like, put my microphone. And they're like, "What are you making?" And then like, I'll like shove my microphone into like the sizzling bacon and like get that sound and stuff. But this is all for radio, so. Um, but this isn't the same as like uh, I mean because we also have like like a chili cook off or yeah we something. have we have lots of we have a rib cook off as well. But what's the theme of the the food? Is it any food or it what's was, the? Uh, it was they had a secret ingredient and they had to like make a but they had to make a style of food and each chef got a different style of food and each chef was from like a big restaurant here in Reno like a local restaurant. Oh, so so there it was is, it is kind of similar to like an Iron Chef. It was format. really cool. Yeah, there was like a guy from like the like uh, I think. Um, Marietta's Mexican restaurant, and then there was the guy from the guy who opened Soup. Oh, okay. Uh, yep, yep. There's like Liberty Food and Wine. So there's all these like local restaurants here in Reno, and we have some like I mean Vegas is the place for like celebrity chefs, but yeah. like we have some like kind of local celebrity chefs that are kind of fun. Yeah. Um, Clint Jolly is a big guy like who's who's like a celebrity chef here in Reno, and he was the judge. He was one of the judges. Nice. Uh, he kind of was the host of the whole thing. Um, and he he runs Butcher Boy. It's a butcher here in Reno. Hmm. But yeah, so I got to do this. I got to kind of cover it and really experience it firsthand. And it was a blast. And the food looked amazing. Yeah. Did so, you get, did you get to try any? I did not get to try any. Oh, I was really man. bummed. But yeah. But anyway, so yeah, competition. I think people love competition. That's what I mean. We listened to like our episode last week on The Bachelor. It's almost like a competition. It's it's a total, it's just a reality show with food. Well, and especially like Hell's Kitchen, right? Sure. With like uh, Gordon Ramsay, you know, and his whole personality of yelling just like at yelling at people. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think people get into that. And there there are still these things now, right? Like even if you think about like more modern, um, like, well, the Great British Baking Show, for example. The most, the classiest show you can watch on it's, television. It's super classy and it's <laughs> it's an impressive show. Have you watched the show? I've watched a little bit. Of, my mom and brother love it. And so whenever I'm around them, I'll uh, that, catch, a, catch a glimpse. Yeah, that was one of those shows that Hoberta and I just uh, binged um, because it was really... It was really addicting, actually, just to watch what 
um, those contestants could make. And they're um, just so like, it's such a nice show because it's like a rea- it's, it's it's a competition show, but everyone's really respectful of one another, and there's no like dumb BS like Project Runway like now you have to make a dress out of a trash bag. Well, and I think it was I think there was this really interesting clash between like all the contestants who were like they had normal day jobs, you yeah. know, and so like they did this. I like how they they featured that kind of backstory. It's like, sure. oh, Tom is a baker. He lives in Westerbro with so and so with his five kids. He likes doing this and this. And then you you cut to Tom like tr- feverishly stirring up some <laughs> some butter or something like that. Um, but they do that part time, and then they're taken to this like estate, right? Of yeah. like like out you it's know beautiful, incredibly wealthy you know uh, property like estate or whatever. And then they you know they set up this tent for the competition where they compete with one another, and yeah. it just. It was, it was, it's a really interesting dynamic, but we, what, what really got us was just the, like when you see the, uh, you know, the designs of what they intend to make Oh yeah, and then how well a lot of them executed that thing, or mm-hmm. if they didn't, you can kind of see what went wrong, but yeah, it was, it's a good show. Have you ever watched Ace of Cakes? It's not on anymore. No. But that no. was a great show um, where like the, and like the dude was like a total person, like a shaved head and had like this like, he's kind of like Guy Fieri with a shaved head. <laughs> okay. But, um, and we'll get to Guy Fieri later. Don't you worry, audience. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're salivating yeah, for some Guy Fieri. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Um, but Ace of Cakes was really cool because they were like, we're going to make a cake and it's going to be an, it's just going to be a working surfboard that you can also eat. And you're like, what? <laughs> Maybe not that. But like, it was like, they were like the most crazy cakes uh, yeah. that people were like, yeah, I just want a cake that's like an exact replica of my car. That's like, sure. and like, but like, I want it to be like uh, the same size as my car or like half the scale. And so they would make like a cake, like the size of a bedroom or something. And it was like very impressive to see. But then you're always like, you look at it and you're like, it probably didn't taste very good. Yeah. I feel like that's like an, an like out of animal house. And then when they do the parade, they kind of dress up the car as a cake. Oh yeah. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> reminds me of that scene. But yeah, so they always made like these crazy cakes. So like one was like, uh, this is a picture of my mom. She's turning 70. Can you make this into a bust of her? And like, <laughs> they would just do like a perfectly replicated, like it just looked like a statue of the guy's mom, but then it was edible. And you're like, that's kind of weird. Craziness. But like, it was always impressive to watch the process of like how they're making these like basically as art, as sculptures out of cake. Well, and this is uh, this gets into some stuff. Like there are a couple shows that I have not seen yet, but for some reason uh, this continues, right? This kind of format still continues. My, oh, sister, yeah. my sister just mentioned to me, she said, oh, have you watched uh, Chef's Table? Have you watched this one? I have not. I haven't, I haven't heard of this actually. But she, she claimed it's like art. It's like not even a cooking show. It's like yeah. art. So I'm kind of thinking it's just like, you know, really uh, well produced kind of show about mm-hmm. food. Uh, sorry, listeners, if you're kind of disappointed about a hot take about Chef's Table. The thing I'll say <laughs> about Chef's Table is that it is constantly recommended to me. Like, <laughs> like it's 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 like spam at this point oh, on my no. Netflix. It's always there. Like no matter what category it yeah. seems, it's like, oh, you watch this, so Chef's Table. It's going to be a, for you. Yeah, you're so. going to like this. You like Breaking Bad? You're going to like Chef's exactly. Table. <laughs> like it just seems really random. And I mean, ah, whatever. Uh, so we'll get to that. Yeah. You also mentioned one that was like... Um, Nailed uh, It. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yes. So Nailed It is a real not a good show. Uh, I don't recommend... Well, I do recommend watching it because it's actually that bad. It's good. Like, you're like... It, it's not enjoyable to watch the whole season. Like, I watched like two episodes and I was like, I don't want to watch any more of this. But it's funny because it's like horribly produced. But what's the what's the focus so of the show? So it, is, like, what's it the... is a competition show. And 
Um, if you've ever seen Master of None with Aziz Ansari, you know how in the second season he hosts this like cupcake show where they like bring on celebrities and it's really bad and goofy and like way overproduced and like it's the it's literally that show, which I think is funny because Netflix produces both of these shows. And I, I wonder if they just like saw the the Master of None and they were like, we should just make that into a real show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the host is just so overly like whoa guys like what's going on look at this cake but like so they get amateur chefs who are really bad to make cake or like or whatever right like make some sort of dish it's usually cakes and like they always like look horrible and then they're like look at this idiot look how bad he is at cooking and you're like oh, that poor grandma she's just trying to she's like got an opportunity to be on a show and she's just terrible at it like there was one where I was watching and like he's making this cake and then like at the end it's just this blob and they're like, what is this, you idiot? It's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be a cast. And he's like, I forgot to put flour in the <laughs> batter. So it, it just... But do you think, so the way you're describing it, do you think it's supposed to be serious? or do you No, think it's, it's like not supposed spoof? to be serious. Yeah, I it's feel, more like a parody kind but of. But it is, re- like these are real people that are being made fun of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which I okay. feel bad for. I'm like, these poor... And like the host is really obnoxious. She's just like this like really overly... Like, I imagine, like, a cat on a skateboard from the 90s that's like, whoa, dude! <laughs> but, like, she's, like, this, like, she's just, like, this overly gregarious, pretty annoying lady who's, like, trying to host it. And she's always like, Zam Zip, wow! This is nuts! <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, shut up. Like, just let me watch these poor people be sad. Hmm. But so, yeah, it's, don't watch it. But or, watch it, hate it, don't watch it anymore. <laughs> Interesting. So speaking of uh, <laughs> annoying personalities, do we also want to talk about our our friend Guy Fieri? Annoying? Excuse me. Guy Fieri, the most gregarious person in uh, television? <laughs> <laughs> so what is your experience with Guy Fieri? Uh, my uncle met him one time and said he was a jerk. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> but uh, apparently he like donates a lot of money to like really good causes and like I I don't know. Like I've seen a lot of stuff that says like otherwise. Like maybe he's a jerk just like to like fans because I can I get that. Like you know, being a celebrity is probably exhausting. But like he seems like a. I've never done anything that I'm like I hate this guy for this. Like I think that his show is kind of hilarious and that like he drives around the country in this like hot rod and like his his look is so absurd. Sure. But like I think that that's like I don't know. I can't hate him for that. Like. I gotta respect the guy for like keeping with his look even after getting made. He's the smash mouth of of <laughs> of of uh, cooking shows. That's true. Not cooking shows, but he his style is really interesting too. If you've ever watched it, I actually kind of like drivers that diners, drive-ins, and dives because like food looks really good. Yeah, well, and, and and I think that where that show excels is that it it takes not. I mean, obviously, but like not the well-known places, but but maybe well-known locally. Yeah. Like like the locals love going there, and that's kind of the allure. It's not like how artisan can we be. It's just mm-hmm. like what tastes good. Well, you know. So he they actually did do an episode in Reno, and where did they, they did it at um the the Gold and Silver Inn. Is that right? I think so, but I, I think it's either connected to or affiliated with the Gold Dust West. Okay, yeah, or it's I, near I there right. because I remember driving down the the road, uh, whatever that is, Fourth Street or whatever, and mm-hmm. looking. And I'm like, wait, that was featured. They have this little sign. Yeah, as most of them do. Like, this is the diner featured yeah. on Divers Drive, Diver, Diners, man, dr- Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that restaurant is like known for not being good. <laughs> But that's what I'm. I just kind of wonder about that. Like I went to a place. I in, agree. That I, is that is a good point. I went to a place in uh, Portland, actually Portland, Oregon, and it was featured on 
that show. Drivers, I don't want to try it again. Drive-ins yes. and drives. The DDD or whatever. Um, and it was good. We just went for a breakfast and it was just like a real hearty breakfast. Like everything was super heavy, you know? I mean, I um, think that's kind of the show's theme. And though. that's the thing, right? That I keep, I feel like that's kind of the thing too. It's more like what's just the really, you know, you can get the most amount of Do food. Do you for feel the... like you want to die after you ate this burger? Check out this <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Or like novelty things like the hottest wings you can get like sure. in a, in a place. Um, that's a that's an interesting show to bring up. I don't know if this is really a food show, but it definitely kind of focuses on food. Um, have you ever watched Hot Ones? No. It's really okay. So this is going to get into an interesting thing too, because a lot of the food shows that I actively watch are all on YouTube. Okay. I watch all, like almost all of Bon Appetit's videos, which I know I've brought up many mm-hmm. times before. They have this one series called It's Alive with Brad, which I absolutely love. Um, I watch a lot of Binging with Babish. Um, he's like hmm. a guy and he just shows you how to make food from movies and television shows. So like, uh, he made like the Krabby Patty, for example, but he also would made like the cannolis from the Godfather. Really? Yeah. He's That's re- interesting. That's, really a, that's cool. a cool, that's a, that's actually a very residual culture style cooking show. He's also like, yeah, his name is Andrew Ray and he's just like, I don't know why he's binging with Babish. He has an exp- explanation, but like, we should get him on. He's pretty popular, but we can. We should, we'll reach out. We can try. We'll reach out to him. We're a big deal. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is um, really gregarious, just like a really fun, but like really genuine. This um, is the third time you've used gregarious. I know. I need. To, that's why I. Like, that's great, man. Cut, cut off my, cut myself off there. But so there's that. But then there's also this show called Hot Ones, and Hot Ones is an interview show. I mean, like I think the most famous interview they had was probably with DJ Khaled, where he like. Mm. But so anyway. He asks 10 questions to a celebrity. They have, like, very big celebrities on. I mean, um, who is most recent? Um, Joji. He's a rapper. Uh, but, like, he has, like, a lot of big, big celebrities on. And um, they he asks them 10 questions, but every time he asks a question, they eat a wing, and they get progressively hotter and hotter and hotter. And they have, like, and they do, like, the Scoville level and everything. And, like, by the last question, these people are just, like, sweating bullets. <laughs> and, like, they don't have to do it. Like, it's all by their own volition. Mm-hmm. But, um... So he, uh, oh, they just did Michael Sarah too. There's another one. Oh, okay. Um, but so he asked some questions, and he's a really good interviewer. Um, and like it, it's not really centered around the wings, but it's a really fun thing. Like every question, they eat a wing, and then they're like, "Oh, that one's not so bad." And then they get to the fifth wing, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is getting pretty hot." And then they get to like the seventh one, and they're like, "Oh yes." Yeah. Um, and then they get to the tenth, and they're like, "I don't even know the question you just asked me." <laughs> like, can't concentrate. They just they had Guy Fieri on too, and it's really fun. And the guy is a fantastic interviewer, I think. Wasn't that I I'm I'm sorry I forget the name of this guy, but isn't there another show that that's the thing? It's like the food challenge or whatever. Like a guy goes and sees he he tries to eat the hottest thing or yeah, the most so. food. Like you yeah, know, can yeah. you finish like the forty two ounce like T bone steak a, or whatever? There's like a few guys like on YouTube. Man versus like, food. That's what oh, it is. Yeah, Man yeah, yeah, versus yeah. food. Yeah, that's it. So this is different because it really doesn't focus on the food. And he asks them right. questions like, "Hey, what's the next movie you're working on?" Or like, "What's like the hardest." time you ever like interacted with a fan or something like that yeah. but the food is just kind of an ancillary thing that's there you like spicy food um i do i always really want to eat it after watching an episode of hot ones actually i'm always like i really want to eat some spicy food what's the what's the spiciest food you've ever had um i ate a um uh uh jalapeno ones not a jalapeno a uh what's the other the, re- the orange one um habanero habanero, <laughs> habanero yeah. ones yeah i don't want to die after that but hmm. i've also had ghost pepper sauce they have, yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're spicier peppers than the habanero. Yeah, but like, have you ever eaten like a, just a straight habanero? 
No. It's not fun. Not just a straight it's habanero. It's rough. No. Yeah. Um, it, I love the taste of habanero stew, but um, I have had like ghost pepper sauce before. I did have the ghost pe- pepper sauce one time. I, I have well. a really good aside that has nothing to do with media about ghost pepper sauce. Give me that aside, and then I want to tell you about the spiciest food I had, because the, the, even the ghost pepper sauce, not as hot as this other place. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was my friend Kaylor has a Halloween party every year. This is back like sophomore year of high school. This is like way back in the day. And uh, every year, Kaylor loves spicy food. I also enjoy spicy food. Our friend mm-hmm. David likes spicy food, but it's not like his 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 business. Uh, David ate like a chip with a ton of ghost pepper sauce on it. And this is like late at night at the Halloween party. Like we were all like kind of winding down, like goofing off. And he's and we were spending the night that night, I remember. And David just starts like screaming, like he can't handle it. And Kaylor's like, We're out of milk. And like he started drinking water and he's like, It's just making it worse. It's just making it worse. And so he took a thing of sour cream and just No, no. Ranch. It was ranch ranch dressing. dressing. And he Mm. just squirted in his mouth to get it to stop. And he's like, I can't even taste the ranch. I just needed some like dairy product to make it stop. Yeah. Is there dairy in ranch? I don't think there's dairy. (laughs) But like he's like, it helped. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, very funny. Well, that's that kind of leads into the you know my spicy food story is yeah. because there's a place in Madison, and I would say at least a group of our listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. The Lao Vietienne Palace, all right, or something like that. Okay. So we all decided to go there, um, and I forget whose idea it was, but mm-hmm. they're like, I heard they have good you know spicy food, so we're gonna go. Yeah. And then. You, you know, you order your food and then the waitress asks you... One through 10 or one through how many How many stars? Oh, yeah. And so we was just like, well, what's the what's the range? She's like, one through five. Yeah. One through five. And so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'm just going to take a two because yeah. on that scale, I'm like, I don't want to be... You don't want to risk I, it. I know how those scales go, right? Yeah, you don't want to risk and it. And then some... There were like two members, I believe Nick, who also is a supporter of the show. Um, Thanks, Nick. He... He got a three star. I don't think anybody got a four star, but I think maybe people went back later and got the four star. Okay. Um, and it was like even the two was spicy. No. And like we, I needed, I needed um, some sort of dairy. So we had like a Thai iced tea or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, because they got the coconut milk in there. Um, and I think it was either there or it was another time we went back and we we're just like, oh my gosh, like how spicy is number five? And the waitress was like, she kind of looked around and she's like, uh, she gave us a very, uh, a very straightforward answer. And she said, um, four, very spicy, five. Uh, I don't even know if I want to say it on the podcast. <laughs> it's a little racially inter- in- in- uh, insensitive, but she just said five, not for wide eye. Oh no. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, oh, no. there it is. <laughs> so basically like, yeah, you white boys cannot handle yeah. the, this the the level of spice that I put in this dish. Nice. But yeah, it was really good, but it was spicy. Yeah, but yeah. Well, speaking of spicy, yeah, you have just you, I, I watched the first step or one of the episodes, and you have you watched the whole thing. The yes, the is it salt? Oh, let me think. I salt, think fat, fat, salt, acid, heat. Fat, salt, acid, heat. Yes. And it like came up again on my like Netflix. Like you like Breaking Bad, you probably like this show. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, sure, I'll watch Thanks, it. Thanks, Netflix algorithm. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, this show is really good, and I think I heard you mention it to Paolo one time, and I was yeah. like, I'm gonna look that up. And we looked it up. There's only four episodes. Mm-hmm. One's on salt. One's yeah. on fat. Fat, acid, acid. and heat. Yeah. 
And it's a really interesting episode or uh, show because it's this um, Iranian American woman. She's a very good host. Re- super good. Like it's. She's really like laid back, which I really like. She's not like in your face. She's not in your face, but she she also has just has so much charisma like to her. She, like, she's very genuine and like, oh my god, exactly. What salt is making a food better? Right. And so each one of these focuses. She's she's convinced that like those four elements: so salt, fat, acid, heat. They're the keys to understanding food, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And what she does is she she sort of undergoes an examination of each of those elements in a particular location that she uh, thinks excels at, like how to really do like salt well. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you watched the salt episode, right? Yeah, in Japan. So she goes to Japan and she looks at. Um, this method of harvesting salt from the sea oh, yeah. that they use in Japan um, that is unique, right? Like it's not done anywhere else in the world this way. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, the thing is they harvest like seaweed and then they pull the seaweed out of the ocean, they dry it and like all the water sort of crystallizes on yeah. there. Then they take the seaweed into this other place where they – they like boil it. They boil again. it down, yeah. They boil it down, but then they use like this huge what could it's a cloth, but it's like basically a tea bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it filters out then all the seaweed, and what you're left with then is like this incredibly salty seawater. Yeah. And then from there, they, they evaporate the water, and you're left with salt. Salt. And it's a really unique kind of salt. They still make this. It's like hand bagged, and you can buy. It's like forty dollars. It's like that. ten ounce, ten ounce bags for like forty bucks. Yeah. You know, um, but it was really interesting because she also explains the differences in salt. Like, well, like you look, there's like the Himalayan pink salt. There's like the really big flaky salt. You have like classic, like uh, ta- what's the table salt with like the girl and the yeah. umbrella? Yeah, just like iodized, iodized salt. salt or whatever. Iodine, a really hard element to get in food normally, but really important to your diet. So that's why they put it in uh, salt. Yeah. So, but what what fascinated me about that was like she would explain even like if you go and look for like kosher salt, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not all kosher salts are the same. I mean, I know that that's not necess- that's not necessarily uh, a huge revelation, but she actually explained how particular salts are have different cuts mm-hmm. or like they the crystals are formed certain ways. Mm-hmm. So some of them are better for like marinating meat or like salt curing meat. It'll right? like go into the meat better. Exactly, yeah. like flaky and, salt usually, right? Exactly, it has to have a large surface area so it sticks to the meat and mm-hmm. then it can actually but it has to be kind of flaky enough so that it can actually melt or get get incorporated into the meat. So what's interesting about salt actually too is that you know how salt it's it's sodium chloride. Like all mm-hmm. salt is sodium chloride. We have been able to find substitutes for things like sugar, like with with uh, like Splenda and uh, stevia, stevia so, yeah. stuff, stuff like that. Like we can find other sweeteners. It is, yeah. we've been trying for a long time, apparently, to find a substitute for salt, and we cannot find one that won't kill you. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, salt is like, and we don't know why, but salt interacts with our taste buds in a way that we just don't understand. Yeah. And that's, that's I think so, back to this this show, right? Like, mm-hmm. So this is just one little uh, kind of dive into what she says in salt, but she does similar things for fat and yeah. like how it's made and how, how it... You know how you render it, and like different types, like butter and stuff like that. But I think the thing that I really like about the show is that she she goes to, she also focuses on the people who like m- manufacture or make the stuff, and she really focuses on like 
um, how traditions have survived generations mm. and why that's important to carry on. And there's very few people who are carrying that on because a lot of them are getting, you know, beaten out by like the large industrial scale Nestle or food. Yeah, food things. But she's like, but that can't substitute for this, yeah. you know? And she does the same thing in Japan with uh, soy sauce, right? She, yeah, she, yeah. There's still this guy that makes soy sauce in barrels, mm-hmm. right? And uh, he he said that he called to order a barrel and the guy like hadn't received an order since like 1962 or oh something. Oh my God. He's like, what? You're still, you want a barrel? Really? It's <laughs> like, yeah, I, my, one of mine's broken. I need a new one. He's like, you're my first customer since oh my God. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that that's really interesting, and um, yeah, it's a good show. It's well made too. It's like kind of relaxing. It's like really nice yeah. to have on in the background. And uh, quick, I, I didn't mean to do this, but quick plug for her because uh, all of her recipes and stuff are actually on her blog. She started this whole thing as oh, a blog, okay, cool. And she's trained at like Chez Panisse, which is a kind of well-known res- restaurant. But she has her blog has a lot of really good information, including a book and illustrations, and it's really nice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, cool. What's the blog called? Uh, well, I think you can just search for uh, salt, fat, acid, heat. Because um, <laughs> she she has a separate domain for that, but her original blog is, I just think, under her name. Okay. And it's Samin, okay. uh, S-A-M-I-N, but I forget what her last name is. But if okay. you look up that thing, you'll be able to figure out uh, okay. her full name. I want We haven't really talked about like shows that teach you how to cook. That's true. We started off a little bit with Julia Child, but we yeah. haven't really talked about and, others. And so I want, let's go back to binging with Babish here for a second. Mm. I think that he is like another a, a great example. You don't really see his head ever. It's just usually like his arms and like a and like a cutting board or like a hot plate, whatever he's doing. Okay. And I mean, you have you see his face sometimes when he like leans down, but like for the most part, like it's just like his, his like upper torso. And he does a really good job of spe- one. He speaks with his hands and he narrates the whole thing. I think after he's done making the like the video, and so he kind of narrates it, and he's funny. Like, a lot of time, like, he'll, like, be, like, pouring, like, flour into something to make dough, and he, like, spills a bunch of it, and he's like, okay, yeah, just pour four ounces, of, mm, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, it cuts, like, another one, and he's like, just like this. <laughs> um, he's, always, he's funny, but it's not, like, super goofy or comedy-like. He just has, like, he's very, you know, he's, like, fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. But you really learn a lot about cooking um, in that he's like, oh, I'm going to show you how to make, um, like, uh, uh, the pasta from Ratatouille. I guess he would make Ratatouille from Ratatouille. But whatever, I can't think of a movie with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the pasta from Ratatouille, he's like, okay. He's like, they don't show you in the movie how to make pasta. But he's like, we're going to make pasta from scratch. And, like, right. and then he explains the whole thing and, like, what it is. And he makes everything from, like, the ground up. Yeah. Like, if he could, like, grow wheat and, like, make flour out of it, he would. Like, everything is, like, from the ground up. And then he's like, if you don't want to do this, like, just go buy wheat in the store. Like, or flour at the store. Don't worry about it. But he's like, but, like, I want to show you, like, how your food is made and what's in it. Yes. And so it's really cool. And he does them pretty quick. They're usually about 10, 15 minutes. Huh. You feel like you could really make this dish at home. Like he really does make you feel that way. And so- That's I, that's the key, right? I think any yeah. good cooking instruction show just has to simplify. Yeah, like Rachel Ray- or em- well, Emerald. A- a- bam, bam, bam. Kick it up a notch. Yeah. Bam. There it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like the original like- He was one of them, yeah. He was like one of the OG- uh, Certainly. Celebrity chefs. But yeah, so I think Binging with Babish does a really good job. Also, uh, like I said, Bon Appetit. They're a magazine, oh, yeah. but yep. they have a YouTube show, um, and they also show you how to make, like, really good-looking stuff. And I think that Bon Appetit's kind of thing is, like, they have, like, five or six chefs that are also just really fun people to watch, and they're pretty funny. Like, hmm. the one, the one, um, uh, Brad, Brad, like, Leone, I think is his name, uh, and he is just, like, a goofball, and the way they edit it is really fun, and he makes, everything he makes is fermented. 
Nice. So I, I, I like know, it. Yeah, really Good cool. for the gut biome. Yeah, it makes like beet kvass. Yeah, or like yeah, yeah, He yeah. does make sauerkraut. Kom- kombucha. Kombucha. Yeah. Um, he makes uh, miso. Miso, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, miso. Yeah. So uh, beer, he makes beer. He makes um, like fermented salsa. Um, so like lots of fermented stuff. Really fun. And like stuff you don't think about like getting most of the time. But, yeah. yeah. So I like it. Highly recommend watching It's Alive with Brad or Binging with Babish. Uh, we did promise the listeners we would talk about Anthony Bourdain as well. Yes. Should we talk, so should we shift a little bit from kind of food production and cooking to consumption? Consumption, <laughs> Because yeah. that's basically what this show is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it is a little bit similar to drive, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, but it, it's different too because Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives is focusing on restaurants and like the people yes. that own them. This is focusing on a culture. A place, a, yeah. Much, yeah much, it's very place-based. Um, the thing that... that um, I think that he does well is that he also tries to highlight, you know, like the laborers sure. who who kind of, you know, this food exists because of these people, yeah. right? So he'll talk to fishermen or he'll talk to whoever else um, that's really involved in like uh, the production of the food mm-hmm. yeah. or the techniques they use to, to harvest food or to make it or to grow it, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, that being said, uh, Bourdain... He's just drinking a lot. I was gonna. I was actually gonna bring that up. Yeah, you yeah. see, in a lot of episodes, he, he is drinking quite a bit. Yeah. Yep. It kind of it's kind of a sad thing to look back on, I guess, or maybe maybe it kind of shows a little bit about it. But well, it's that which is fine, you know. Like, and that's part of you know just living life, right? Yeah, like, Live, you're living allowed fast, to you drink. Just, you know, whatever you do, do what you want, man. You do you. Uh, the other stuff that that at times I'm not saying it's like every episode like but I just saw some critiques that had come out of of Bourdain about how he portrayed other peoples and other cultures that mm-hmm. was sometimes a little bit like um you know, disingenuous kind of, well not necessarily disingenuous but kind of like othering them like oh that's that's quaint that's interesting how sure. you do that it's it's kind of wrong or that just seems like a really inefficient method or whatever but it's the way they've been doing it for for years. I, I'm a little bit less um, harsh on that kind of critique, but I haven't seen all the episodes, so I haven't seen one that's like super problematic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, like I went to look at um, uh, the Brazilian ones, obviously. So yeah. like Hobart and I went to go watch the Brazilian ones. Hobart, and, uh, Ben's wife. That's right. I'm. I'm. Yes. I'm sure um, she's come up before on the podcast. She has. Just, yeah. Just uh, that's right. I shouldn't just drop the name without uh, <laughs> specifying. Um, and we did that, and it, you know it was okay. Um, those kind of things. It, it was the same sort of thing where he just um, he tried to a certain degree to point out some of the other kind of structural inequalities that were existing. Either that, or he wasn't really understanding that that's the way it was, sure. and so it just didn't come out um, like that in the show. But um, it's it's kind of a cool. I, I think his his whole vibe was just to kind of give you this cool guy. It's more of like a rock and roll kind of like. Yeah. Uh, take on food culture and not rock and roll like Guy Fieri <laughs> yeah no no more like just like I'm a cool guy yeah. like you know yeah. I'm gonna get a tattoo everywhere I go yeah that kind of thing yeah I, I, I think Parts Unknown is really good I really enjoy it it's also a show that mm-hmm. I kind of like to have on in the background and kind of just it's just there and you're like that's, oh this is really cool that's a really good yeah I agree with that because it, at least for me there's so many of them Like it is also relaxing I think compared to some of the other ones where you're kind of like it's just got like a chiller vibe, I guess. Yep. I'm exactly. not really sure what like would constitute that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, are there any other cooking shows that you want to talk about? I've got one more, but I think we should maybe go to emerging. Emerging. Culture. Yeah, let's do that. All right. All right, we'll do some emerging culture and be back. All right.
<laughs> yeah. Well, Chef's Table. So we watched a trailer for a season uh, season five, right? See, I can't. I have no idea it was on. So five that's what seasons. I mean. Like, I really do feel like it's been recommended to me on Netflix for a long time, yeah. and. That's probably why. Uh, it does. It looks. It looks very cinematic. It was I think. a little dramatic for like a cooking show. I thought, but like I, I think that that's like an interesting direction to go in. I I'm not like criticizing for it, but like I was like, this is a very cinematic, very dram- dramatized like trailer for a TV show. So number one, it's a trailer, but but very number two, I'd be curious to know if in the other seasons they also play up the kind of broader geopolitics of they stuff. They definitely talked about illegal immigration. Immigration. It also talked. It also featured people from like uh, Thailand and. Turkey, and then I believe it was in Spain, in Spain and then USA Mexico. So USA. the USA Mexico uh, chef was an undocumented immigrant. Yeah, immigrant. definitely played that up. I and think. I believe it was the Turkish chef that said, you know, that had some quote about how this, side. you have to choose a side. But it, it, you know, it can also be about, um, you know, it can it's like something about tension. Yeah. You know, it was really and kind the of Spanish guy off. was like, you know, we're so separated, but. Food can bring, Food us, can all bring us together with a nice oh, dish man. of paella. Oh, I looked at that and I was like, I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks interesting. I mean, I, you know, I'm certainly happy to give it a shot. Sure, it's one uh, of those. The trailer kind of hits you in the gut, and they're like, "We want you to feel." Yeah, it's it's very feelsy. Yeah, yeah. they want you to feel. Uh, yeah, hey, chef's table. Chef's table. And speaking of chefs, you know what? I forgot to mention earlier when I got so excited about Iron Chef. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention the major event that happened on the Japanese Iron Chef. Okay. Which is when Bobby Flay, you know Bobby Flay, right? The Bobby Flay? So (laughs) I'm convinced that Bobby Flay got his start on Iron Chef Japan. Okay. Because he appeared as a contestant, as one of the few Americans who were allowed into uh, the, the... I forget, there's a name to it, right? Like Kitchen Stadium the or whatever. Stadium, yeah. Kitchen Stadium. Um, but he, he was there and I believe he went up against uh, Iron Chef Morimoto, okay. who was the, uh, I believe he was Iron Chef Chinese. Okay. Could could be wrong. Um, I know he's a Japanese person, but like, I think he was the Iron Chef of, of Chinese cuisine for that stadium. And he, he won in an upset, right? Oh. And what he did is that when he finished his dish, he climbed up on his cutting board and raised his hands in the air. Yes, yes, yes. And at that moment, he disrespected Kitchen Stadium. He disrespected uh, like the show. all people there. And he was sort of denounced for this thing. And then he came back and like opened Bobby Flay's like yeah. uh, whatever, gourmet restaurant. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, Japanese culture is a lot different than ours. It's much more humble, I think. And I think American culture is a lot more like celebratory and kind of in your face. And so sure. maybe there was some, there was clearly some cultural differences. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were doing. And I remember that being a big, um, that was a big to do. You know? Yeah. So big event in food show, food media. Yeah. I just have one more that I would love to just talk sure, yeah, about yeah. really, really quickly at the end here. Um, one of my absolute favorite personalities in, all of food media is Alton Brown. Alton Brown of Good Eats. He also oh, now yeah. hosts Iron Chef. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is just like a fun guy who's like, he's really smart and he gets into the science behind food. So Good Eats is all mm. kind of about like, he had like a really interesting way of shooting the show where like he would open the fridge and the camera would be in the fridge and he'd be like, hey guys, what's going on? Let me tell you about this thing. And then like, he'd be like, <laughs> so salt, like it, it affects these taste buds in this way. And like you taste it in the front of your tongue, not the back of your tongue and all this stuff. And he would like the way he cooked was very scientific. It was very like you know you can cook popcorn on this uh, like in like an air popper and it'll do this. But like the reason that it's like chewier in an air popper is because like air molecules get in, but when it's getting hot, like he does all this really mm. interesting scientific like why food is changing and how that affects our taste buds. 
Um, and he's just like, he has a podcast too. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but I cannot. Um, but if you just look up Alton, I, I might actually just be called like the Alton Brown podcast. Hmm. But like, it's fantastic. It's really fun. And he he's really educational while just being really, he reminds me of like Adam Savage from the Mythbusters. Okay, but, like, sure, sure, as sure. as a chef. Sure. So, is his podcast also about food? Yeah, his podcast. Because we about didn't food. talk about food podcasts at all. There are several. There are many. Because I don't listen to food podcasts. Yeah, I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, and food podcasts usually are on the uh, you know on the cutting table. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Of... All right. Well, yeah, that's that's fun. Actually, this has uh, made me hungry. Also, yeah, I'm hungry. By the end of this episode. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys are hungry as well. Hopefully, you can. Uh, you can go get some food to, to satiate after this episode. And if you're hungry for all sorts of bonus content, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. You can also, uh, if you're hungry to interact with other Residual Culture users, you can follow us and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All of it. You know what? I think we're going to post on Instagram. Uh, maybe if we go grab dinner sometime, we'll, uh, we'll post our dinner. Get the on dinner. Instagram, yeah. Uh, you, can also, uh, you can also email us at residualculturepodcast at gmail.com. And the song today, what? Finder. Yep, was Finder by People with Bodies. By People with Bodies, friends of the show. And this has been Residual Culture. I'm Ben Birkenbein. I'm Joey Lovato. Get into it.